You're now listening to Vices and Vultures, a podcast on cultures. What's going on? It's your boy BH. The next interview you will hear features three more guests whose stories we will unpack today. Continuing the theme from the previous episode, these guests are also old classmates that I spent a lot of time with in nursing school. Someone asked the four of us, how did you guys meet each other? And we all laughed and responded, we'll recognize Will. From that point on, I wanted to capture that wellness and interview with all of us in the same room. We met up one weekend and we kept it a thousand. This is also the very first interview that both me and my cousin A2 did together, way before Vices and Vultures was born. Hi guys. I'm really glad that we're all here today. Ew. Can I do stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> can you get up? Yes, you can. <laughs> I mean, it's too late to ask. <laughs> so, my name's Abby. Abby Rose Newell. That's my full name. I'm 25. I'm, okay, born and raised Brockton, Massachusetts. Lived in Georgia for a few years. Um, I don't really claim Brockton anymore because I feel like I am just transitioning and I'm trying to find a new home for myself that I would like to claim permanently. So that's that. And I am on my way to finishing a 16-month accelerated BSN nursing program. Praise the Lord Jesus. I can't believe I actually made it this far. Um, And something just driving me towards emergency and trauma nursing. Something about, like, the urgency of life and death. I just want to be the one actively saving someone's life. Like, I want to see someone's arm falling off. And I want to be the one... Putting that arm back on, if that makes any sense. Okay. You know, like, I'm into, like, gunshot wounds, stabbing wounds. Give me the crazy psychs. Give me give me the real deal. Give me the trauma, the ER. That's my thing. So I'm excited to see, you know, where I start out in nursing and, yeah, where life takes me. But that's me, guys. That was a very intense intro. Thank you. <laughs> right. Meet that standard. Okay. Hi, guys. I'm Zoe. My age is unknown, but <laughs> I am from Harlem, um, the 1990s Harlem. I think I should add that. Um, what were the questions again? Um, where are you Harlem. from? Like, where are you, oh, like, where where you from? Where are you from? Where are you Where are you going for nursing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Feel. So, I'm highly interested in critical care. I love anesthesia i love my patients sedated and intubated and unconscious <laughs> you know no that's just what i love no conversation um i love my patients you know critical patients i love the heart um which leads me towards my future role as a cardiothoracic icu nurse what? at duke university <laughs> which i am super excited about um I'm super excited about that, actually. You going to Duke? I'm going to Duke. What? Which is actually ironic because right. Um, I'm alumni of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, so it's Tar Heels till I die. But Duke is hey, paying me, so hey. right. <laughs> I have no objections there. Um, but I just love critical care, and I love the fact that um, I get to administer those. Those drugs that are really like potent, the vasopressors, the anesthetics, and the drugs you really have to like monitor for. Um, I plan to become a certified registered nurse anesthetist. 
in a couple of years, more like two years. Um, but I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited for my journey. Um, I can't wait to start my career as a critical care nurse and be certified in critical care. And that's pretty much it. For now. For now. Awesome. Oh, we have Dusty here too. Hi guys, my name is Katora. I am born in Brooklyn, New York. Hey. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> Raised in Western Mass, but I am a West Indian at heart. Um, my family's from Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, let's see, for nursing wise, right now I've always been interested in cardiac, so definitely probably starting off in the step down unit for cardiac. For the summer, I'm going to take a little break, you know, drop a baby. Like an album. Like a mixtape. Yep. <laughs> and then hopefully down. start my <laughs> nursing career in September. Um, with employment somewhere, either Bay State or somewhere. We'll see what happens. And that's about it, yeah. This is something that I'm really fascinated about. And I feel like Zoe and Abby both knows like know about it a little more than I do. But so we're in a class with seventy five students and I'm seventy. Sixty nine. Sixty nine now. There was like an election and then you became the president. Or did you not get elected? I, don't no, I, I did get elected. Did get don't elected. take that away from me. <laughs> Do not take that away from me now. Right. Um yeah, I don't know how that happened. I just was I was interested and in, thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh nursing school without borders and actually the president prior to that, Lauren, she reached out to me via Facebook and was like, Hey, I wanna stop into your class and talk to you guys about this um organization. So I was like, Okay, cool. And she came in, she came in and, um, she basically, um, told us about the organization and then we had elections. Uh, I had no intentions of really like running for, pre it just happened like literally on the last day. And I was like, why not? And I put my name in and then I got elected. So I was like, I was definitely happy about Who that. Who exactly voted? I voted. I don't know. So our class voted. I know her and I voted. Our, our, our class, class voted. voted, yeah. We didn't vote then. Because I, 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 I don't know nothing you did about not vote. no vote. Like, Check out email. I just right. learned we are the president. If That's you just... wanted to have like a position held in the organization, you just had to submit your name, say what position you wanted. And then there was a date that everyone had to like go. But I felt like in order for me to vote for you as a like a president, mm -hmm. I got to know what you're capable of doing. Why did they vote for you? Like... Was there any reason behind it? I voted for her because she is black. Because, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Katora is a total stranger to me. I Say voted it. for her 100% because she was a black female. She was and a I was like, yo, we need representation. We need representation. I don't care if you suck as a person. I'm voting for <laughs> <Right. laughs> All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Why do you guys feel like you should vote for someone just because they're black? Representation. Representation, That's hands it. down. Oh. It's not enough people of color in these positions and so in order for there to be people of color in these positions minorities need to vote for people that look like us to be in these roles to represent us because if there's someone else there then they may not hear us you know that makes a lot of sense but at, but at the same time there was no way for you to guys know that 
Kotoro it doesn't matter. For that job. Doesn't like, matter. Absolutely. The color is what like. I yes. mean, in in the instance in that perspective, yes, that that holds. That's like why did people vote for Barack Obama at first? It was because he was black. Mm-hmm. Like, hello. That honestly, that's why he got voted for president the first term. Yes. Second yeah. term was okay. He can actually right. do something. Right. So let's have him in office Obi again. Like so, so unfortunately, sometimes that's just the society that we live in. That when yeah. we see representation, we vote because of yes, it's because of color because all the time we've seen it was just white white person after white person after white person and honestly for our class i feel like there was a good mixture of people like of ethnic bases on our board right like in our cohort the cohort before before was were prominently like white yeah just because of your skin color you feel like you gotta prove yourself or like there are some some things that you need to do better than somebody else yeah i feel like that is a i mean that's how i grew up especially with my mom she was a first generation immigrant and coming here you had to work 10 times harder to like b wasn't enough b was mm-hmm. to do better right you know what i'm saying so to, to to get to the level where your white counterparts didn't see you as equal you had to work 10 times harder because nine times out of 10 that person could just make a phone call mm-hmm. their mom could make a phone call and be like hey my son wants to go in this school or my son needs this or my daughter needs this where we actually have to work, work. for it because we don't have those connections yeah, well, interesting. Four. I relate to that. I relate to that story because I remember I was in high school, and I won't say where, but the registrar tried to finesse me out of an NHS spot because apparently, like, my cumulative GPA wasn't above, I believe it was three point five at the time. Mm-hmm. But if I looked at everything that went into my GPA, it clearly was. They just did something so that it didn't look like that. And it became like this big deal. I was a minority, obviously. Otherwise, I don't feel like that would happen because at that point, you're just being selfish. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you're being selfish not only with your time with other people's time because you just like playing with people. Yeah. And like that's not fair to anybody, and especially as far as representation goes, because that's super important. Like, how are you gonna play with somebody else's time that they work so hard for? Mm-hmm. Right? You understand right. what I'm saying? I went to leaving college. Most people were Africans. Yeah, African, yeah, yeah. Spanish. So they people. were like a very I love diverse. The diversity group. So at I, no point in my life I felt like I, I needed to prove myself because of my skin color, just because of the people that I was around. That's an advantage of being in the city. A yeah. huge and that was also an advantage of being at Lehman. Exactly. But moving to Massachusetts, I definitely felt like things yeah. were different. Because right. for the first time I was in the class... You were probably... So, two of you. So I want <laughs> Abby, like, One of five. Like, talk, like, I want Abby to talk about that a little bit. Because you grew up in Massachusetts. Right, Massachusetts, and like, I'm listening Brockton. to you, and you guys can't see my face who's listening, but... I've never felt comfortable being black in Massachusetts. Like, I've been here yeah. in the state for the majority of my life, and I've never felt comfortable. And for you to say that you felt comfortable, this is the first time you felt uncomfortable being black, is what you were kind of saying? Not right? really, but the first time that it was like, wow. It really stood out yeah, to him. Like, it was but, noticeable. But he, yeah, yeah, noticeable. Like, I'm a little bit blacker here. <laughs> you're in your mid-20s, and you're just feeling this. I've been yeah. this my whole entire life. Right. So that's well. crazy to me. Mainly I went to all white school. Were... I grew up in a suburban area like we are now. My whole neighborhood was white. I went to right. all white schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never grew up like okay. My parents, first generation, came here Jamaican. So I was I grew up in a Jamaican household, right. but my schooling was all white. Mm-hmm. I never was exposed to I guess you could say like black culture minus me growing up in a Jamaican household because everything around me was white culture. Yeah. So uh, what? Go ahead. No, I was going to say that. I feel like everything in general is black culture, but that's just how I feel. What do you mean do you everything mean? in general? Like, uh, you know, it's it's 
it's there are from elements of black culture yeah, yeah, that are inspired by black, by black culture. Black culture yeah. Correct. It becomes about colors and about race. I feel like it's more about yeah, it's more about like okay, there's Haitian culture, Jamaican culture, yeah. and then all those fused together to give us what we call black culture. You know. Yeah, but I I see the same thing that Abby experienced in her life. I experienced as well, but like I had a mix of both. So being from family that immigrated here from the West mm-hmm. Indies, I grew up poor. I knew what mm-hmm. it was poor. Right. And to my advantage, I had a white person who was well-connected that saw the potential in me and was like, okay, you're going to go to this school. Right. So that's how then I got introduced into the all-white schools. And yeah. honestly, oh, it's Massachusetts reminds me of a, it's a... It's a paradox. It's like, it's a liberal state, but boy, you can feel the racism in this state. It's yeah, not even funny. And I went to all white school, and then you're literally looking at our class picture, and there's like three black people out of like three hundred who are literally exactly standing by each other. And it's true, you then you feel uncomfortable, and you're like, where do I really belong? And then it's like, are you really my friend? Because nine times out of time, nine times out of ten, people were my friend because they were scared of me. Like I don't, I I have that intimidating personality. Fine, whatever. But that's just what it is. You know what I'm saying? And. For her, she wasn't able to experience both, but I was so so it it creates a conflict and even in within myself. Like, where do I honestly like belong? belong you know to. what I'm saying? Now, did you feel that way, Abby? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you feel like you you were not black enough just because of the way you grew up? I mean, I how can I say this? I always just felt like I had to prove myself because I was black. Like, I feel like I, I could never ask, like, a little black, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Or you don't talk black. I can't talk black. <laughs> no, no. So, like, when, when you guys see yeah. me talking white sometimes, it's because that's how I just always had to talk when I was in school. Like, right. mm-hmm. I'm finally accepting who I am now, like, in my 20s. It's mm-hmm. been a long-ass journey to come to this point to be like, fuck it. Like, I'm black. I lo- fucking love being black. I'm Jamaican. I love it. But I wasn't always... Mm-hmm. in that mindset it took me a long time mm-hmm. to get to this place mm-hmm. now zoe i want to hear about you so uh, <laughs> you know being from harlem growing up in that environment and then going to a to north carolina honestly i think and i'm gonna say this my journey was different because i was privileged when i was there being a student athlete mm-hmm. so being so, a student athlete and being in north carolina in the south you know okay. um it was very interesting. I mean, that privileged life is different. Right. It's different. So for those, like, let me clarify. There's white, black, and then athlete. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> once you're an athlete, it's true. It's- nah, yeah, that's superiority right there. <laughs> that's true. I never yeah. really grew up around a lot of people like that because of the, the even more specific culture that I grew in. So I'm really curious about how that works. In North Carolina. Right. In in North Carolina. Yeah, I feel like in the Carolina. South in general, like they're big with their athletes yeah. and oh like God, yeah. it's like they're like gods. Yeah. Over there. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it's the University of North Carolina. I mean Yep. Chapel Hill. Um, <laughs> it's just the best school in America. I am so biased, but I will Chapel Hill till I die, Tar Hill, born and bred. Um it was very different. Um, you know, being that it was a major basketball school, and we had like twenty three different sports. Right there, I should tell you that the money is coming in. Twenty three different sports, yeah. scholarships, like mm-hmm. you know. Um, so being on the track team, um, very interesting. So my first two years, it was a struggle just transitioning from high school to college, in the classroom and on the track. But 
I got really good my junior year. And so from my junior year and my senior year, like those two years were like pretty solid. Like I can't really discuss everything, <laughs> but let's just say I got out of a lot of traffic tickets and you know things like that you know you know small things um do you feel like when people look at you regardless of their skin color and i don't want to make this whole interview about yeah. race but i just yeah. want to get some stuff out of my oh head. yeah regardless like, doesn't like, matter about skin color it's it just like it's you're an athlete you're an athlete you're an athlete and you're great regardless of skin color right. privilege that's just how you're seen like Everyone knows you. Everyone knows your name. Good job, you know? Like, they say certain things to you. You get free passes to places. You get into clubs. Mm -hmm. There's no lines. Like, you get free drinks. Like, it's, it's celebrity. Different. You got your you, celebrity. You're pretty much a celebrity. You, you're a non-paid celebrity. <laughs> you, your scholarship is, you know, your payment is paid for, yeah. you know? You get some money to live, but not much. But, yet, you still get some money. Um, when we go to these track meets... We always stayed in, and that was the rule. We had to stay in four or five star hotels. We always got per diem money. Ooh. They pretty much, breakfast was always paid for because we always stayed at a hotel with breakfast. Lunch, well, we had a, enough per diem money that we can just buy whatever we want. Dinner was pretty much always paid for. We always had like a pasta dinner catered. Um, right. Carbs in. For that yeah. running. Right. <laughs> we flew to a lot of track meets, whereas a lot of schools kind of like took the bus. Not saying that we didn't drive, but for the most part, we flew to meets. We had to wear Nike attire at every track meet. If we didn't wear Nike, which was crazy because our conference was sponsored by Under Armour, but if we didn't <laughs> wear Nike at a conference meet or at any meet, our school was liable to be fined $50,000. So it was yep. Nike. That was like a strict rule. Yep. Um, we had to conduct ourselves, you know, like you had to represent the school no matter what. Um, I picked up track and field ninth grade, 10th grade. I was okay. 11th grade. I got really good. Um, I ran for a club track meet, which was the defining factor because with clubs, you can run anywhere. You can go to, Flo I went to Florida a lot for AAU. Uh, track and field meets. I went to Tennessee. I went to Harvard. I went to Connecticut. I just ran pretty much every Philly, Maryland, everywhere on like the north. I mean the the East Coast. And when you run at these different places, you have these college track and field coaches there trying to recruit you. So for um, I don't know if this is standard, but for track and field, you have five official visits that you could take, and you choose the school. Well, I mean, they got to recruit, they got to want you to, but um, you go on a 48 hour uh, visit. They pay for your flight, they pay for your hotel, they give you money, they take you to dinner, they show you around the school, they show you the team, um, all of the coaches and things like that. And you pretty much just choose what school you want to go to. So my first visit was to South Florida, USF. Then I went to Kentucky, then I went to Jordan Mason, then I went to South Carolina, then I went to North Carolina, and those were just my official visits. I went to some unofficial visits too. But I didn't know where I wanted to go. I wanted to go to South Carolina. They didn't have enough money for me. They, and my coach was like, I was like top three in the country. He was like, you are only going to a school you were that- You top three in the country. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't and know running? that. Yeah. Right, them legs. Them legs. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, you're only getting the full scholarship and they got to pay for summer classes if you want to go to summer school. And I was like, whatever you say, coach. So South Carolina, they was, you know, they, they wanted me to come there, but they didn't have all the money. And I was just like, I can't go there. And 
the top athletes. They had the, the money. Carolina. They were just stretching it somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. So I went to North Carolina. It was my last visit. It was like the end of May. Money's running out. I'm like, where am I going to go? I went to that school. Fell in love. Fell in love. Signed my national letter of intent to North Carolina. That was a whole scandal because... Whew. If anyone knows who Marion Jones is, she was on trial for taking steroids during the Olympics. She had to go to jail, do some time. My coach had to go on the stand and pretty much, you can't lie on the stand because, you know, if you lie, perjury, you go to jail. Yeah. So he had admitted to taking steroids too. So everyone was asking me, like, are you still going to go to the school? And I'm like, uh, yeah, we do random drug tests. He can't give me steroids. Like, I mean, like, that's just not an option. Like, you don't, random drug test meaning you can go your four years without a drug test, or you can get drug tested twice a year, or you can get drug tested once within the four years. You don't know. And you don't know if they're testing for anabolic steroids or like street drugs. You just don't know. So I'm like, of course I'm still gonna go. Like, you, we're, we're subjected to random drug tests, like, whatever. Right. And I'm glad I went because we had like the number three recruiting class in the country and we did pretty well that year. Um, but that's how pretty much the recruiting process goes. Like you go on your five official visits and you pick and choose what college you want to go to and you sign your national letter of intent and you just go to college and hope for the best. You know what I'm so saying? So I always like... wanted to go into medicine. So I did take some pre-med courses at Chapel Hill and Chapel Hill was hard. It was like the number two public school in the country. Chapel Hill was hard. I'm going to say this and people are probably going to object, but nursing school is much easier than Chapel Hill. Oof. Yes, I know. Sounds crazy, but <laughs> that's how I see it. But Chapel Hill was super hard. Maybe because Wait, I was, was still it, immature. That's what I was young, just about to say. I was not saying you're yes. yeah. Was it's it because of that? Like your mind was somewhere else, so it's like you're challenged, yeah, being challenged academically versus probably. now you're like hundred percent. And you really yeah. want this? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like Hence the objection. Nursing yeah. school is hard. <laughs> I don't know what she's right. talking right. about. <laughs> so um, I always wanted to go into medicine. I knew that. And so I took some chemistry courses. I took biology. I got a D. I was like, oh, so I got to stop doing this right now because <laughs> you, can't, you can't stop running track. Like, that's how you're paying for school. Like, honestly, they say student athlete, but it's really athlete student because if they tell you you need to go to a drug test in two hours and you got an exam, guess where you going? Drug to the drug test. test. <laughs> you're going to make up that exam. The teacher has to make it up. Like, they have to reschedule so you mind. can um, make up the exam. But, um... I knew I always wanted to go into pre-med. I just didn't know if I wanted to be a doctor, a PA, or a nurse. So I was taking those courses. I got a D in biology, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to probably go back to school, take some courses after I'm done here, and figure out what I want to do. So I went to Lehman College, took some pre-med courses, and I was like, oh, everyone looks like me at Lehman. That's pretty cool. Um, took some courses. Man, Africans everywhere. <laughs> worked in the medical field. I worked at Monty Fury in the Bronx. I worked as a medical scribe. Um, I learned a lot, and that prepared me for nursing school. And then I was like, oh, let me apply to PA school. Applied twice, didn't get in. Then I really thought about it. Like, does God really want me to go to PA Which school? Which PA school did you apply for, if you don't mind me asking? A lot. A, a lot. lot. I like, spent hell of money you on those applications. Yes. Let me tell you, $1,000 each cycle. Yes. $1,000. Each cycle, you was good. I did one cycle and I was done. <laughs> a lot of money. A lot of money. Then I was like, you know what, PA school, like, like that's the... You, there's no moving up. There's no 
movement right. into PA school. Right. I decided Major. I didn't want to do be a PA anymore. I would literally have to go back to school. Yeah. So I was like, nursing might be my best bet because I always had like a little love for anesthesia, and I was like, if I could, go, if I go to nursing school, then I could go to CRNA school too. Like, and I really love interacting with people and helping people. Not to say that PAs don't do that, but with nursing, it's just a different approach. They they you know emphasize caring more than anything and i really do care about people that actually care about mm. wanting to get better and be better you know right, right, right. so i always had like a little thing for medicine and so i finally decided nursing what was your what was your process what was the process like for you why were you interested in nursing specifically so my undergrad degree is in biology and i have to say getting that degree was harder than nursing school so i kind of Okay, hold on, Zoe. Like, <laughs> no, no, I agree I with that, agree actually. With I think biology, I think biology was a harder degree than it nursing was, school. And I was so miserable. Like, and that should have been, like, my cue. Like, Abby, this isn't for you. Like, stop it. Like, get out of this now. <laughs> so, honestly, I was trying to please, like... So, I've always loved healthcare. I've always loved, like, the body and medicine and all that. Like, I've never been into anything else. And it was my parents who was like, Abby, like... You're second generation. You need to be the first doctor in the family. And I'm like, all right, you guys have done everything for me. I'm going to go to med school. I can do this. Mm. But I wasn't successful in undergrad. Like, And it was because of like many different things. One, I came from a really strict household. Then I went to go live on campus. And I just went wild. I was so, 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 so not in the right mindset. I was so immature. I wasted so much time and money in undergrad. And there was no way I was in against med school. Then I was like, all right, PA school. No. Nope. What do you feel like? I'm sorry for cutting you off. Like, was it was it because of grades or money? My grades. Oh, okay. Because I was partying so much in undergrad, my grades suffered tremendously. Like, I literally couldn't even keep a C in chemistry. Couldn't even keep a C. Repeated chemistry, I think, three times. Dead ass. I'm not even exaggerating. Me too. I don't know how I pulled. <laughs> I ended up graduating... With a 3.2, thank God. I don't know how that happens. Hey. 3.2. Really, after all that shit. But, yeah, so that was undergrad. Shit. She said 3.2, but she was fucking up. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know how that happened. Like, I just, I don't know. And, actually, my, so when I was an undergrad, my mom was getting her associate's nursing. So watching her like raise a whole family, working full time, and she graduated nursing school with a three point eight. Your mom raising a whole family, mm. working full time, commuting she's to dope. school. She's she's dope. Dope. She is my inspiration, and I'm like, if she can do this, I'm gonna get my shit together. Like Say now, that. seriously. Like I felt embarrassed. Say that. The time that I wasted, the money I wasted, the potential I wasted. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that's, that's very inspiring. Uh, yeah, I can she definitely is, appreciate My mother that. is 100 my inspiration for everything mm. I do in life. That's dope. 100%. That's dope. Katora, I you work in EMT, right? Uh huh. You still Plus working three in other jobs. <laughs> so, oh, wait, so she has like, a lot of jobs. This lady worked hard. Speak on it. So, yeah. Um, did you always know that she wanted to be in the medical field as well? Always. 100%. Always. So, so, since like, when did you start working in the medical field? Do you since remember? I was like 16. That you were still in high school? Yeah. I used to work as like a home health aide. And then a PCA. So I've always been in the home. I didn't like wanted to do anything hard. else. And I went through a moment where I was like, oh, maybe I'll just do the administrative side of healthcare. 
and that's why like I ended up getting my degree in public health and health administration and then after like a couple months of working for the city I was like this is not for me right mm-hmm. um but I've always like worked I went to UMass Amherst which was like the zoo I remember when I graduated high school and I was like oh I want to go to Boston and that like every 18 year old mm-hmm. and my mom was like hell to the no and I'm kind of happy she did and Something I might end up doing with my own kid because at 18 years old, you think you know everything, you want to do everything, and mm-hmm. you're free. So, essentially, you end up wasting a lot of money and a yep. lot of time. Yep. So, my mom said, no, you're going to community college. And I did. I went to community college. I got an associate's, and then I transferred over to um, UMass with a, a, a scholarship. And then I finished there. I worked through as a CNA through UMass. When I was done there, I... Um, was applying to, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do med school. Then I got a job at Bay State, and I was like, 80% of what they do is push paperwork. And yeah. I'm like, I don't, I am not about to go six figures in debt to push paperwork. So, no, it's not for me. And then I was like, okay, maybe PA. And then, so I started applying PA school. And then I was like, same thing was always said, like, you can't really go anywhere, like, you have the flexibility of changing specialties with PA, mm-hmm. but you can't really, like, progress. Mm-hmm. And it says you're just always a PA. Within nursing, you can, like, progress. Nurse practitioner, nurse anesthetist, we can do anything. Um, So I ended up applying. I, I got into PA school, um, and I was just like, nope. It was between PA school and nursing school. You got accepted to both at the same time? Yeah. Right? Ooh. Oh. Nice. And yeah. then you just decided to go to nursing I went, school. I decided to go well. to nursing school. That's yep. the first. Yeah, so I decided to go to nursing school, like, after having, like, endless conversations with so many nurses, so many PAs. I, like, shadowed this great cardio, um, cardiothoracic PA, um, at Bay State, and I was just, like, then I shadowed nurses, and I was, like, okay, maybe nursing is for me, so I ended up at nursing school, and through nursing school, I mean, it's been a struggle and a journey, you know? Because <laughs> yeah, I know you're working and doing this at the same time, and yeah. that's not, like... This is one, like, I could never do this. This I mean, is one if, year where it's like... I get, I, I understand why a lot of people don't work. Don't get me wrong. I just never was that person not to work. Like, when I accepted, either way I would have went, PA or nursing school, I would have had to cut down. So, for me, I went from making a certain amount of money and living a certain way right. to now you're telling me, uh, you got to work, like, two days a week. And a girl got to cut down on right. her, you know, extracurricular activities. Like, Azara. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. And that's then, yeah, yeah. in my situation, I was I was so blessed to have someone that I could depend on to help me financially, like, the gap. Because right. there was a gap. Right. Like, I didn't just go to nursing school and all of a sudden all my debt disappeared right. Right. and the bills disappeared. The bills were still there. They mm-hmm. still had to be paid. Somebody had to pay them. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I wasn't taking on extra money out from Sally because... <laughs> <laughs> So I was I was blessed to have him to help me through the process, but I worked every weekend since this program. Literally. There was not a weekend I didn't work. So I was in school Monday through Friday. Saturday during the day, I was home studying, take a nap, and I went to work 10 p.m. until 10 p.m. on Sunday. Mm. To wake up at five five forty five to get to school on Monday. Yo, this girl's making me feel bad. Like, <laughs> so, what the fuck am I be doing? So like naps. Yo, so it's <laughs> always been a matter of just like why wouldn't I be working? 
mm-hmm. the hustle, plain yeah. and simple. Like I just grew up like that. I grew up that way. I've always been working. I've always provided for myself. I don't. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember the last time I accepted money from my mother. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I can't tell you. Right. And going through this process was a very trying process because an independent person like me to have to be like, hey, honey, right. uh, I, you got some gas money? Mm-hmm. Right. That's very hard. And that's hard for a, a black woman. That's hard for an independent woman. That's very hard. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm independent, I'm very also submissive to him. So so at the end of the day, it's it's a challenge within, your, yeah. within myself. Mm-hmm. But like... Like I said, bills still had to get paid, and I still had to feel like I had some sort of independence, so mm-hmm. I had to go to work. Yeah. And I was at work studying, taking emergencies, doing this. There was sometimes I'd be on talking FaceTime. to I, I'm on FaceTime, talking to them. She's at work. And I'm like, hold on, y'all. I, I, gotta <laughs> <take> an, <laughs> I gotta take an emergency real quick. And that's just right. what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, so how, is it, how is it being an EMT? What, where do you work? What's, what's so the I work So I work for a like? private company, um, ambulance service here in Western Mass. And... I work as an EMT and a dispatcher. So I take 911s and then I actually can go on 911s on the truck. Okay. So it's completely different because when you're working on a truck, you're literally like adrenaline rushing. Mm-hmm. And then when you're on the phone, it's also an adrenaline because you have those calls that can be something stupid like, oh, I got a headache or, oh, I'm too drunk. Or I ETOH. Right. You know what I'm saying? Please call, whatever. Or then you have those gunshot wounds and then you have someone calling you saying they're going to jump off a bridge and you're talking to somebody down from committing suicide so that is a lot in itself but i mean you do that yeah really yeah yo this is this is crazy crazy. working in the medical field and the fact that you have to deal with those things on a daily basis can have like a really over time it's going to affect you whether you want it or not i mean that's why so many people in the medical field healthcare field, lawyers, they have such high stress levels and a lot of them do are on drugs. Yeah. Which or brings, alcohol which, or something. Right, right. And yeah, I've heard that. Cert, like, you know, med surge nurses are different from nurses that work work in the ICU or mm-hmm. ER. For some reason, a lot of the nurses that I know that work in the ER are on drugs, bro. They're all tapped. They yeah. are. Yeah. Oh. I can tell you firsthand because I work with mm-hmm. them, all right? A lot of them are. But also, some of them, too, that's an excuse for them to do drugs. Like, I feel like certain people, they're like, oh, I work in this environment. I got to do drugs. But it's stressful, though. Like, being in the ER, I'm only a nursing assistant now. But as a nurse, I can see what they go through. And it's really stressful, Evelyn. Like, you're a a psychiatrist. You're a therapist. You're a lifesaver. You're an advocate. Like, literally, you're playing 10 roles as a nurse in the ER. Mentally. Um, not me mentally right now. I mean, I definitely have taken it home and there's definitely stories and events that have like stayed with me. Like the first time I gave CPR to a baby, she was three months old and she ended up dying. And literally, I still think about that child. I still think about, there was literally like 30 people in that room, nurses pushing meds, doctors giving orders. And I'm just there giving this baby CPR, listening to the nurses you know, following orders, and I, I still, like, it's crazy. I can see this baby's face mm-hmm. clearly in my head right now. So why and do you still died. want to do trauma? I mean... It's a great question. Yeah. Doesn't it sound traumatic? Like, why would someone want to do that? It takes a special person to it work does. certain specialties. Like, even mm-hmm. in nursing, you will see it. Like, it takes... It's There's a different nurse in MedSurge, then there's a yep. different nurse in L&D, then there's mm-hmm. a different nurse in ICU, then there's a, nurse in, uh, a different nurse in the ER. And you just have to figure out what works for you. And it's not even saying 
that why would you do it? It's just like I I couldn't see myself doing oh, anything, anything else. else. Oh, that's exactly. dope. That's dope. You know what I'm saying? So that's it dope. may be stressful. You that's have what, to find a positive outlet. That's what makes you feel yeah. like who you are. That's exactly. what makes you feel like, alive. Exactly. Like I I couldn't exactly. see myself doing anything yeah. other than healthcare. It's funny yeah. because the the upbringings that a lot of you guys have had throughout your time, I've had a similar experience coming from parents that were that were immigrants, yeah, and are immigrants, and then having my foot in both um. Um, multi-ethnic environment mm -hmm. as well as an environment that wasn't um, mm -hmm. and where I was the minority and I kind of see all of that yeah. in what you guys are talking about because the only thing that kept me like through that th through those experiences of just like oh this person doesn't understand because they didn't grow up the way that I grew up or like Oh, why do you sound like a white black person? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah like, all that stuff. Like you know, I've heard I've heard it all. Like I've I've had the N word called to my face by somebody that wasn't. And like the only thing that kinda kept me through that was just, you know, something that you couldn't see yourself doing otherwise. So yeah. like for you guys, like it's work for me. Like it's arts and stuff like that. I wrote a lot during that time, mm -hmm. like made a lot of stuff during that time. And when I listen back to that stuff sp during specific moments in time, like you can almost like recall like all the emotions in there because you had to do it out of necessity. Mm -hmm. Like that was survival. Like if you don't do that, like you if you don't do that shit, like you're gonna die. Yeah, that's how you Yeah, that's how you Like straight up. So like I see all of that kind of like woven in to like what's been going on because like I relate to that so well. What about you, Zoe? Why the ICU specifically? Um, you know, honestly, 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 um, humble beginnings, you know, mm -hmm. parents were, you know, alcoholics and drug addicts and, you know, just living in Harlem. You, I used to have to say, excuse me to these patients that were shooting up in my hallway, mm. you know, excuse me. That's like, tough. I'm just, I'm, I'm. I'm in the fourth grade, so I'm like nine. I'm just trying to go to class, and I see these people that are strung out. Hmm. Pretty much, I don't. I don't know if they're dying at right. nine. I didn't know to look if their chest was rising and falling, right, to see right, if they right. were breathing or not. Yeah. You know, um, that's just what all got me interested in critical care. You know, just seeing those patients that were like acutely ill, like that needed help, and I couldn't help them at that point, but I can help them now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you felt like you needed to be in a position to help those people because they were your people. Is that they, how they, you were looking at it? All of those people were black people. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if I, me being a black person, if I'm not giving back to my community, who will? Who? Yes. You know? Yeah. That's, deep, that's very that's important to me. While you guys were doing this program, did you feel like you were misunderstood? You guys are friends, and then you ain't got. We're more than friends, bro. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's family. family. That's true. We family. Uh, so it's like. Who wants to start? This? And I'm a, and I'm gonna give like. Can I start this? Yeah. Real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, not real quick. Go into detail, <laughs> Go into um, detail. I'm 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 gonna go with misunderstood for all the black people in the class. There yeah. was a point in time where we were taking a class, and on the PowerPoint. It said Negro. Oh, yeah. And I could not I understand that. why this phrase was still being used in 2019 in this particular instance, instance because this PowerPoint 
I was told this parkway was used for the last five years. So, and I knew black people in the cohorts before us saw this word on this PowerPoint. So I couldn't understand why anyone didn't really say anything. Like, mm. we shouldn't be using Negro anymore. It's obsolete. It should have, I, I, and I did my research. Right. They stopped using Negro on the 2010 census. So I didn't understand why in 2019 this word was still wow. being used. Right, right, right. So I approached one of our professors in the most kindest way, mm -hmm. and she was so open into Let hearing what I said. <laughs> and she was like, I have no issues removing it. And she removed it from the PowerPoint. That same day, it emailed me and said, Zoe, I apologize if this offended you in any way. I removed it from the PowerPoint. And I just was grateful that she even understood. Right, right. So I just, that ticked me off. That, like, ticked me off. You guys have any, but that, that just was the highlight of... I think Your I was sitting next to you in class, and you were like, Abby, do you fucking see that? And I'm like, what? I didn't and know And I this. was living in class like, Abby, <laughs> we, we not seeing this together? <laughs> I don't think I was paying attention after that either. Like, Yeah, you were out of it. You were pissed. I don't be pissed. seeing shit, bro. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even pay attention. You know that. You know that. I did not notice that. Yeah, so. I think my biggest thing was I was in a room full with a lot of people that were smart intellectually and but it was a lot of like yes ma'am no ma'am type situation and i always grew up with respect you have respect for your elders whomever um but there comes a point especially when i'm paying to be in that seat $68,000 that i didn't know we paid that much money either yeah it's okay to challenge yeah it was a lot it was a lot of money um, plus Sally Mae's interest. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like to, in a sense, for me, I was just like, wow, no one really challenges these people or challenges the professors or like ask questions or it was whatever they say. That's what, that's, that's, that's just right what it yeah. is. Yeah. And I feel like, I'm sorry, I can't do that because my Which people brings, did that for a long time. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's very, it's very significant that you're saying that. Yeah. So, but you speaking about it, do, were you afraid that you would be labeled as an angry black? But I was already. I, I, and that was fine with me. All, uh, from yeah. Jump Street. That's yeah. what it was. Since it was like, like the first it, month. Yeah, it was yeah, like pretty much. if the cohort had something to say, there were like three people in this class that right. they'll be like, oh, what's, hey, this is how we feel. You should say it and then I'll back you up. <laughs> you know how much times I got that for these 16 months? And yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah have your own voice yeah. right. and honestly and it brought me back to this all the time how in the hell can you be in nursing school and mm -hmm. being taught to advocate for your patient yet you and cannot you can advocate have, for yourself Amen. hallelujah Amen. that made no, no sense to me and yeah. there was never no disrespect i've never gotten into a a, um, uh -huh. a situation with my professors right. where i felt that i was hostile i may uh -huh. have been passionate yeah. but i was never hostile but like at the end of the day i i i have to advocate for myself because mm -hmm. No one, no one advocated for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't have those resources to say, oh, well, this or that or the third. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? And half of these people, I was in a class where I don't know if it's because I had to pay my own way and mommy and daddy wasn't paying for me or whatever it is. So it wasn't that important. But it's like, these are your professors, but these are your, also your counterparts. Yeah. Right. They're, they are here to teach you. We're here to receive. 
But as a student, as an actively learning student, which you're going to continue to be as a nursing, as a, a nursing professional, you have to be able to have these conversations, these awkward conversations with people. Mm -hmm. right. Right, and know how to navigate and how to navigate between them. So right. I couldn't, I couldn't stand the yes, ma'am, the yeah. no, ma'am. That that aura yeah. drives me insane. You can find can I add that? Can I add something real quick? It was a situation where we was with a, we was talking to a professor, and she asked a question like, "What antihypertensive um, has a side effect of cough?" and it, she didn't say, uh -oh. you remember, she didn't say ACE inhibitors. And me and Katora was like, ah, uh, <laughs> uh. Me and we was like, no, it's definitely ACE inhibitors. <laughs> it's inhibitors. And, she was like, and she had to look up in her phone yeah. to see if it was ACE inhibitors. And she she corrected herself and she apologized, yeah. but it was ACE inhibitors. But if we didn't say that, the class would have been thinking mm -hmm. that it was whatever no, right, she right, said. Right. You right. know, so just small things like that. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. No, that's fine. That's fine. I remember that. I was like, that. no, it's ACE inhibitors. You, you find, can't tell me different. You find that so many of those, like, so many of those people with this mindset, you will eventually, like, push yourself away from. Like, I've, um, once upon a time, become really good friends with some of these types of people. Um, I've lived with some of these people. You know, I've tried to, like, work on projects with some of these people, be it for, like, school or be it for stuff outside of school now that I'm out and things. And what you find is that it's going to be very difficult to even begin to, like, you know, try and, like, form an alliance, like, with this side because they've already made up their mind that everything has been rolled out for them and they didn't have to grind and stuff. I grew up in New Rochelle, New York, specifically because my parents did not want me growing up in this particular area and things like that. Mm -hmm. But they still had me understand of where I fall in society as a biracial. Mm -hmm. So I still had to work my behind off for like what I had to do. Yeah. And with stories like what I mentioned earlier about how I almost got finessed out of NHS, which to me at that time was a really big deal, mm -hmm. um, is something that you, know, you kind of like just see all the time. And I think... Part of the, what kind of keeps us grounded as people of color is the fact that uh, we already made it, we already made up in our mind that in spite of all of this like noise and this distraction and just really unnecessary conversations, because time and again, like you ever walk away from a conversation like regarding the situation, just like you know this could have been easily avoided type of thing, and like the drive that we have kind of just like blocks all of that. But like I still see it, and like hearing these stories is like. At this point, and I remember Everly talked to me about this when we were talking about something family related. He was telling me like, at this point, like nothing surprises me, and mm -hmm. yeah, I got something to say about it. But like, yeah, like so we gotta find it. We gotta regardless, it's just what I'm gonna do because you know it's almost like I don't need the affirmation, mm -hmm. but like when I walk past you, it's not like you won't notice like what I've done mm -hmm. and what I've like busted my ass to mm -hmm. do and things mm -hmm. like that. And you guys feel the same way too, so. Mm -hmm.